Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Your definition of love. Why is it important to explore your definition of love? Here's the thing. We trace blueprints. So we have these ideas and these definitions uh, that stem from our story. And if reality doesn't match those definitions, there's instant anxiety, right? And there's no difference when it comes to love. So it's really important to be aware of your definition and also how you form them. So let's talk about this. How did you form your definition of love? Okay, I also... um, I'm going to share my story because that's just kind of what I do. I think our stories are powerful, and um, I always bring it back to me uh, using my story as an example. So for me, um, or well, for anyone, it starts with our parents, right? So in my case, I had uh, parents who showed zero affection. (laughs) My mom and dad are very traditional Korean, old school, and... um, the definition I got was um, mom and dad works all the time. They don't touch each other. They don't show any kind of emotional affection. My dad would, uh, anytime my dad showed any kind of affection, it was to get a laugh. So he would be joking around or, you know, trying to, trying to like kiss her. Um, it, it never came from an authentic, genuine place. It came from a, a showy performance place uh, in front of the kids to make us laugh. And of course, Anytime my dad tried to make an advance on my mom, uh, she would always push him away. And that was the blueprint that I absorbed. And, you know, when we're growing up, whether it's um, words, behavior, or energy, as children, we absorb, right? We're sponges. So the way that our parents loved each other, and I got to be honest, most (laughs) most of our parents did not love each other in a healthy way. You know this, right? Um, we started to absorb those definitions. So my my dad would order my mom around a lot. There's that whole, uh, you know, gender, um, Asian, um, the, the woman is, is submissive and, you know, does all these things. Uh, my mom is actually a very strong uh, woman. She has an opinion and a voice, but um, there, there was that, that piece where my, my dad would always, you know, Tell her, ask her to get him water and do this and do that. A lot, a lot of barking orders and stuff. And I grew up in that kind of household where um, there was zero affection um, and 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 not a, like zero romance. I, I mean, I they must have had sex at least twice because um, me and my brother were born. But um, I've never seen them uh, kiss or like hug or, or show any kind of romantic affection in a, in a serious way it was either a joke or um they just kind of seem like partners friends you know and it's like today you know they're, they're in their 70s but they sleep in separate rooms and um it's sad but i also know that it's common right so how did you grow up when it comes to um absorbing definitions of love from your parents or you know if you grew up with a single parent um maybe you formed your love definitions based on who mom or dad dated 
right? Or like if mom say she got cheated on a lot, uh, or or uh, maybe the men in her life wouldn't stay, then you might have interpreted that that definition of love um, as um, men are all cheaters, or that men never stay, or men never hang around. So from our definitions, we start to form beliefs, right? And this is why it's important to kind of explore these definitions. Um, so, of course, um, as we get older, uh, we also are affected and our love is defined by society, advertising, movies, religion, media, all these external um, forces. Basically, our environment as well as our experiences, right? So, I grew up in a very non-Asian um, environment in the 80s, so... We were the only Asian family uh, for blocks, and um, it's no coincidence <laughs> that for the most of, most of the women that I've been with have been Caucasian. I remember when I was about ten, um, I had two posters on my wall. One was Bruce Lee, and the other one was of Heather Thomas. And I don't know if you know who she is. Uh, she was. Uh, she was an actress back in the in the eighties. She was on The Fall Guy, and she was like the classic California blonde, blue eyes, uh, and she was <laughs> she was coming out of a jacuzzi in a in a uh, bikini, uh, uh, very inappropriate actually for a ten year old to have on his bedroom wall, and staring at that, I think growing up definitely left an imprint. And if you look at the the women that I have dated they've all kind of resembled that poster and it's not that i don't think that asian women are beautiful i think asian women are stunning but you know these definitions are buried in our subconscious and a lot of times we or most of the time we make decisions based on that that subconscious you know and so you will start to see patterns based on um, your definitions right you'll start to see types you'll, you'll start to notice who, who you're drawn to and why um but I think our early love experiences, um, I think they form our definitions the most. So we have our parents, right? And from early on, we start absorbing love definitions by the way that our, our parents love each other, um, their words, their behavior, their energy. And then as we go outside and play um, from the conversations with our friends, society, advertising, movies, religion, media, magazines. I know that, um, and we'll talk about our definitions of sexuality later, but I know that my definition of sex and sexuality was um, impacted, and I would say distorted, by being exposed to um, Playboy magazines and things I shouldn't have been exposed to at an early age, right? So my parents were always working, and because of that, I had access to the Playboy channel, um, sugar cereal, <laughs> lots of other shit. And um, I remember looking at images of you know naked women and all that um, early on. And of course, um, pornography and all that has definitely distorted um, my definitions of sex and sexuality. But anyway, going back to our definitions of love, our early experiences, uh, they kind of form our definitions so you know your first crush uh moving into high school and you know in high school it's it's um that shit's serious it's life or death right <laughs> your first real boyfriend um 
all the stuff that you guys do, the feelings, those sometimes leave the strongest imprints, right? So ask yourself, what is your definition of love today, right? It's a collection of all your experiences. And hopefully, uh, as an adult, especially by now, you have um, learned some shit. <laughs> your heart has been shattered. You have noticed some patterns. And you may have a new definition of love. So when I think about myself, and I am 45 years old, I've been through a divorce, I've had many relationships, um, throughout the years, my definition of love has definitely changed. I think in my 20s, my definition of love was very two-dimensional and predictable, and um, it was based on a lot of superficial things, right, um, and, and, and a lot of just default knee-jerk feelings. Uh, not a lot of thought in the decisions I made. It's like a, a child who just eats cookies because they taste good. That was basically my definition of love. And then, of course, growing up and going through um, my self-betterment journey and all of that, um, my definition of love is very different today. So less sugar, more protein. So for me, um, I define love as... If I was to break it down to one word, expanding, you know, always expanding. If I'm not expanding um, with the person that I choose to love, then to me that is not love. I think that love, um, for some reason, if it doesn't expand, then it's stunted, whether it is, um, you know, one person or the relationship or the, you know, the space that you both create. Um, if love is not expanding, then to me it's uh, dying. You know, it's stagnant. It's I, I refuse to um, be in anything where love is stagnant, right? I think life is too short, um, and of course, we could all I could then define what expanding means, etc. So, kind of based on that, I have to choose someone who has the tools to expand. And yes, I have to be attracted to her. And yes, there's all these other things too, of course, you know, banter and humor and all the things that we find important, but. Um, above all, the the macro, right, the um, the north star of love for me um, is that we have to be expanding together. And so working from that blueprint, then I could kind of work backwards and then um, create a new definition of what I want love to look like. And this is really important is – and we'll talk about this later, is you creating um, a new definition of what love should look like or what love looks like to you today. And it may be very different than what it looked like for you, you know, last week. So also, what's your, you know, under definition of love, let's talk about attraction. You know, what is your definition of attraction? Hopefully it's different than when you were 17, right? When we were younger, attraction was just more of a physical thing. And also, we didn't know it at the time, but there was a lot of stuff happening underneath. Um... I'm going to get into my predator slash prey theory later, um, but in my early 20s, um, it was always about the lightning in the bottle, and my definition of attraction was uh, very physical, very sexual, um, two-dimensional, um, um, because my dad's an alcoholic, uh, and, and I'm a, a, you know, a child of an adult, a child of an alcoholic adult child of an alcoholic um, I was impulsive and I, I loved the chase and I was very kind of predatory 
um, what people call, quote-unquote, like the bad boy, right, had very little tools. And so because of that and because of how I was wired, my traction was very different than I um, than my traction is today, right, as a 45-year-old man who uh, has worked on himself a little bit. So today I prefer I prefer, <laughs> I per- prefer uh, the slow burn. I prefer something that's real. I prefer... Um, peeling layers, getting to know someone, and I prefer the attraction to happen over time because I trust that instead of the lightning, lightning in the bottle. And it's still a struggle for me because I, I also compare um, the feelings that I had when I was in my 20s, which were real, but the thing is that when we think about the past, um, it actually isn't real because we're remembering that experience from when we were younger and so that imprint was very deep and so if you compare you know if, if, if you in your 20s uh, were, were attracted to someone and you compare that you know think of the person that was like your one right the one that got away or the one that you know the 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 love of your life or whatever that didn't work out but in your 20s it's very hard to not compare everything to that because of the emotions you felt from that but here's the thing um, that's not always healthy, and usually, if the attraction is extremely sticky, you know, if you lock eyes from across the room and there's um, an animalistic thing going on, it's usually coming from an unhealthy place. So my definition of attraction today is different, right? Now, of course, yeah, I'm a human. I have eyes. I have preferences. Um, I like. Um, I like to be with someone who works out, you know, because I work out a lot. And it's not so much, it's not just the aesthetics, it's the, uh, um, I think it's sexy when someone takes care of their body. So, um, you know, stuff like that, of course, you know, funny, intelligent, you know, all of that stuff is obvious and, and that that is okay and that is good. You should, you should definitely hold on to those things. Um, but there are other things that are more complicated, like uh, when it comes to your definition of attraction. Uh, like, for example, the slow burn versus the lightning in the bottle. What are you attracted to today, right? Um, and why? Why is this your new definition of attraction? Also, what's your definition of healthy? This is a whole different, um, it's a different category, but still under the umbrella of definition of love because. I like to simplify it. There's healthy love and there's unhealthy love, right? I like to cut it right down the middle. Um, And I know that there's some gray. I know that healthy love can turn unhealthy. And I know that unhealthy love can turn healthy, right, if two people are working on themselves in the relationship. Um, But at the end of the day, your love is either healthy or it's not. Um, Unhealthy love is being powerless. It's uh, being selfish and enabling. Unhealthy love has no boundaries, right? Codependency. Unhealthy love is, um, has conditions. Uh, it's immature, irresponsible. People are dependent on each other. Unhealthy love is urgent, right? It's life or death. <laughs> if you didn't return my text or call, it means you don't love me. Uh, there's a desperation behind the unhealthy love. And uh, unhealthy love produces manipulation and a compromising of self, right? We lose ourselves in other people and that is unhealthy love it may feel amazing it may feel like you know the feeling that unhealthy love produces is like cocaine right um there's a high there and we get addicted to that feeling but 
unhealthy love also creates unspace, unsafe spaces and trauma and toxicity. I can't say that word, but it creates toxic, toxic uh, environment, a toxic environment. Unhealthy love can be a pissing contest, a tug of war, or a mute silence and a kickstand. It's um, it promotes the false self and stunts growth. Unhealthy love, like I mentioned before, it can be a drug, right? What is uh, healthy love? Healthy love is, at the end of the day, it is a choice. And I think healthy love is a daily choice. Um, I think people think love is just a feeling, and, and, and it's not. Uh, love is actually a choice. It's something that you decide to give as a gift. Um, I think it, it, it definitely it has conditions, right? Uh, and what I mean by that is, is I'm not, it's not like... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to love you unless you do do these things or look a certain way or make a, a certain amount of money. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that it has conditions in a healthy way in that, you know, if you punch me in the face, I will not love you. <laughs> if you assassinate my character, I will not love you, right? And if you're monogamous uh, and you, you know, if that's your, you know, you're, mono you're into monogamous relationships, uh, then like I am, then if you obviously cheat on me, then I mean, I may, I may not choose to love you. Depending on why you cheated and what the circumstances were. Okay. Um, the uh, healthy love shapes and um, sharpens each other, right? Healthy love is a, uh, a, a feeling powerful and, and, and independent, right? So there isn't that, that enmeshment going on. Healthy love is, I say this, it's grilled cheese and vegetable soup on a rainy day, but not every day. I know that's very cutesy, but... I believe it, you know. I believe it because I, I do think it's that cuddling in cold weather, that feeling of two kids ditching school and, and seeking adventure, but not every day, right? Because love also takes work, a lot of work. Healthy love is patient. It's kind. It's accepting. Healthy love requires a tremendous amount of responsibility, which involves, and I want to bold this and italicize this, and put it in all caps, communication on all levels. And we'll get into that later. Um, and a constant ref a reflection, right? Looking inward. Healthy love is about building trust, having faith in holding a commitment. Healthy love promotes growth and two strong, what I call containers, right? Our life space. And healthy love is rare. It makes me sad when I say healthy love is rare. And um, it, it may anger some people, but... Man, I got to be honest. I've been coaching people for the last decade. Uh, I've coached thousands um, with their relationships, and healthy love is rare. Or, or one can argue, well, yeah, John, they're seeing you because you know they're not in something healthy. Uh, I get that, but if you look at the statistics, um, most people don't work on themselves, and when you don't work on yourself. It's hard to produce a healthy relationship, right? If you just get together and stay together, pulling from feeling and ego, that is not going to create uh, healthy relationships. Healthy relationships are difficult. They're built, and that's why healthy love is rare. All right, let's talk about sex and intimacy a little bit because this also falls under the umbrella of your definition of love. What's your definition of sex and intimacy? Um, for me... Before, like I mentioned before, being exposed to um, 
uh, pornography and, and, and images I shouldn't have seen at age 10, 11. I mean, I remember I was still playing with toys and like um, just, you know, playing tag. And and I was, I was a child, but yet I was exposed to very adult images. Um, so because of that in the locker room, um, I, 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 I think I established or created a, a kind of distorted de definition of sex and intimacy. Um, I actually didn't really explore true intimacy until like recently, you know, it's always been, sex has always been a physical thing. Uh, sex has always been um, about finishing. Sex has always been about control, domination, orgasms, um, Intimacy is different. I mean, all those things can be a part of your sex life, and that's great. You know, um, every every time you have sex, it, it doesn't have to be eye con eye contact and 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 um, and making love. There could be just you know fucking. But um, I think that intimacy is imperative. I, I I think if you don't have the intimacy piece, and of course, intimacy uh, requires trust. Um, but the deep intimacy where where it's about energy, it's about connecting on a deeper level, um, it's about a healthy version of losing yourself in someone, right, in that moment, not like losing your life. Um, and this is something kind of new that I'm exploring. Uh, most people don't have the ability to go there because we grew up... Uh, in unhealthy environments, we grew up with traumatic sexual experiences, so we grow up afraid. We grew up disconnected. Um, there's when I was working in nonprofit and I was helping teenagers, um, ninety seven percent of the the girls were either sexually assaulted or raped or molested. Um, that's just the world we live in. And when that kind of stuff happens, um, intimacy, is becomes this distorted, right? Uh, a lot of times, uh, women growing up, because of what they are lacking, they uh, are very sexual uh, to get the validation or, or approval. Um, and when they're sexual, they're not comfortable in their bodies. They're just uh, using their bodies to uh, please someone else to get to get love, right? To get um, the uh, the affection and when that pattern happens there's a disconnect and and then you know if that's what you're used to doing then to actually make love to someone or to be present and to share and explore bodies that's going to be very difficult right that's going to be like brushing your teeth with the opposite hand and so what are your definitions of sex and intimacy are you someone who um has never maybe experienced true intimacy and, and and listen i'm 45 and just like this year and last year i think i'm just kind of exploring and, and experiencing intimacy in a way that i've never experienced before because i'll be honest most of my life um intimacy has just been about fucking that's all it's been it's about sex and here's the thing um we get into routines in relationships we like certain things a certain way whether it's you know the way we like our food or the the way that we watch tv and you know we we go we get into this pattern with our partner 
Um, and there's no and there's no difference in the bedroom. And so if you don't make an effort to explore and turn your dial and change your mindset, then your sex um, creates a ceiling because you're just doing the same thing with the same mindset. Uh, and you know, two people are just they're going to sleep <laughs> right after, and it's becoming an activity. So to actually go back and create new experiences. I don't know why I said go back. I don't mean like go back in time. <laughs> I mean like today or tomorrow. Um, to start having new experiences, uh, that has to happen for you to start creating new definitions, right? Uh, yes, we can just think about new definitions and we can imagine what something could look like, um, but that's very different. It's not as powerful as actually the experience, right? And, and this is one theme I'm going to... Um, continue to repeat and encourage throughout this entire audio course is giving yourself a new experience, a new love experience. Whether you're single or dating or in a relationship, it doesn't matter. Um, it's in the new experiences that we create new beliefs, new definitions, and uh, and also new beliefs about ourselves, right? So experiences are the most convincing. Um, so it doesn't matter if we're talking about sex and intimacy or what healthy looks like or attraction. Giving yourself a new experience is going to be, um, I think, the best door into building something healthy, right? Because when you give yourself a new experience, you also stir the pot and you also have a lot of revelations and learning. Now listen, if you are in a healthy or a healthy or unhealthy relationship, if you are in a relationship, I'm not saying to suddenly go out and, you know, um, or, 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 or I'm not saying to like end the relationship. That's not what I'm saying by giving yourself new experiences. Um, you can do it together with your partner, right? So, what is your definition of sex and intimacy? How did those definitions form? Right, Explore that. Think about that. Um, what do you want? What do you want when it comes to sex and intimacy? Like, What do you want that you're not getting now? Are you afraid to ask for that? Right? A lot of times we're, we're afraid because we know our, our partner likes... Um, things a certain way. Uh, we know that our partner can only give so much. Uh, we believe that our partner doesn't have maybe the space or capacity to go there. And so we just kind of give up. And we're like, yeah, you know, I'll just, this is what it is. I've, I accept it. Um, I get that. But I don't think you should live in that space. I think there's conversations that can happen. I think that people can change, right? People do change. We are evolving creatures. Uh, it's a choice and it takes time. But you can get closer to what you want. Um, and here's the other thing. Uh, you, you don't have power over the other person, but you definitely have power over yourself. You could start, start to draw boundaries and, and, and act a certain way and, and change your behavior, your mindset. Um, and that can change the dynamic of the relationship, right? So you, I think m most people don't realize that the, the power they possess uh, when it comes to relationships because they kind of just look at the other person and because the other person is not in a place to change. They're like, ah, well, if that person's not changing, I'm not either, so nothing's changing. It is what it is. Uh, that's not true. You can't change someone 
but you can change yourself and by changing yourself you can change the dynamic of the relationship here's the other thing um, you shouldn't give yourself a choice you, you, you changing and evolving and growing is is your uh, it, it lines up with your purpose and your stay on this planet and if um, you end up outgrowing someone or if there's drift because of your growth well, to me, then I and and you know, there's no way, there's no, there's no uh, turning back, or people have drifted so far that the relationship is not salvageable. Then, to me, that relationship has expired. So, I'm just saying that because I don't want people to be afraid, and I think this is a common theme I've seen uh, in in all the people that I've coached. Is they're so scared to be alone, or they're so scared to rock the boat, they're so scared to grow, so they stay in things that are stunted. They stay uh, in relationships with shackles around their ankles, um, and they read about amazing relationships, and they read about um, intimacy and amazing sexual experiences and whatever they, they, they dream about, but they don't give themselves the experience because they feel that they can't, or maybe they feel that they don't deserve, or whatever it is, it's keeping them locked, right? Fear and not believing that you can have something or that you deserve something. So... Just kind of going back to our definitions of love. Think about your definition of love today. Think about um, how they were formed, you know, your early memories, your parents, right? Usually, we, we don't want to love like our parents. I, I know very few people who are like, yeah, my parents are amazing and I strive to have a relationship like them. There are a few that, you know, there are some parents that um, really had healthy love and just showcased an, an excellent, healthy uh, model of love and, 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 and their children are extremely lucky and rare. But uh, most parents um, were just as fucked up as us, if not more. And so... Uh, most people do not want to love like their parents, and so their parents actually set up the model of love that they don't want, right? So think about how your parents loved and how that impacted you, how that affected you, right? Think about your environment. Think about, um, like for me, growing up in a very Caucasian world and only being the, uh, the only Asian family on the entire block definitely impacted me. Um, think about the locker rooms. Think about your dating experiences from the playground to the prom, right? All the shit that happened. Um, but more importantly, how that impacted your definition of love and your beliefs about yourself. Write it down if you have to. Um, it, there's, a, there's a tremendous power in actually writing things down instead of just thinking about them. When you just think about them, it's very slippery. When you actually write it down, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more powerful, that process. Think about society, advertising, movies, religion, media, all the other external factors that has formed your definition of love. Under the umbrella of your definition of love, think about your definition of attraction, why you're attracted to someone. And if it's healthy, um, the slow burn over the lightning in the bottle, think about your early attractions and um, ask yourself, were they healthy or were they real um, or were they dysfunctional? And, and because they were dysfunctional, they were so powerful. And because they were so powerful, you think that that's what love should look like, right? So I wonder if your definition of love is coming from something 
that actually wasn't an accurate definition but was an unhealthy definition, right? Think about that. Think about what your definition of sex and intimacy is, you know? Think about what you want. Think about um, the, the sex and intimacy you're having today. Or maybe you haven't had any sex and intimacy for a long time. Or maybe you, like me, um, have been in many relationships and the sex was great, but you haven't really experienced um, a deeper level of intimacy. One of the things that I'm exploring is touch and you know the feeling, not just sexual sensation, but just touch in general, whether it's a, a hand on your chest or, 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 or holding someone's face. Uh, the energy behind the touch, um, exploring things like um, the the bedroom dance, um, um, the the everything from communication to exploring bodies, you know, exercises where you just um, where it's not about the orgasm, but just exploring bodies and the other person communicating to you what you what she or he, he likes and doesn't like. Um, so you start, and, and which is, by the way, weird and awkward because we don't do this, right? Um, but it's important because it expands you, right? Going back to, for me, the cloud, the North Star is all about expanding in the relationship, the relationship itself um, being its own thing that expands both individuals, right? So there's like this... Uh, incubator thing happening <laughs> there's you there's your partner and there's a relationship and the relationship is its own living breathing thing um, but if your definition of love isn't expanding you then you should explore it you should maybe think of um, some new definitions right and I'm going to encourage you to create some new experiences for yourself and that's going to require some conversations um, so you can create some new definitions and here's the way to do it you talk to your partner and you don't blame um, you come from a place of curiosity and a place of wanting to build something better right get your partner on board and then you guys create new experiences and through those new experiences you guys will start to create new definitions um, because maybe part of why there's such a disconnect is you guys have very different definitions of love different definitions of sex and intimacy different definitions of attraction or what's healthy redefine your definition of love Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training. And it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.